children of the world, parents of the world, this is for you. I'm Rowena. And I'm April. We are best friends and moms to five young athletes and sisters to Olympic champions. We have a mission to inspire our kids and your kids through the stories of champions. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Who am I? I'm a champion. Uh, We are so excited. We have Courtney Thompson here today. She is an American volleyball player who competed with Team USA for 10 years and was in the 2012 and 2016 Olympics, bringing home a silver and bronze medal, respectively. She was also part of the gold medal team from the 2014 World Champs in Italy. She was the team captain for the University of Washington women's volleyball team for four years and was part of that Husky team when they won the NCAA championship in 2005. She is from Kent, Washington, and a fun fact is that she grew up with my husband, Chrissy Massey Reynolds. She now works as a mindset coach with Dr. Michael Gervais and Pete Carroll's company, Compete to Create. And she's a coach for Stanford's volleyball team. And we are so excited to have her with us here today. Oh, Courtney, thank you for giving us your time and being here. I'm excited to dig into this. And one of my favorite questions is just to hear the story of how it all began. Like, when did you start? When did volleyball become your thing? And also, if you have this moment, maybe where it was like, oh, I know this is going to take me places. Tell us those things. (laughs) Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you both for having me. Very, very grateful to be here. You know, I grew up with two older brothers and they were both athletic, competitive. My whole family liked to compete and and just get after it. So I kind of grew up playing everything. And to be fully transparent, volleyball was my least favorite sport until I was in high school. So, I mean, we played, I played, you know, every sport possible, basketball. I played baseball with the boys, tennis, swimming, soccer, all the things, gymnastics, although that was ugly. And (laughs) volleyball is like a really technical sport. So it's, I think the longer you play, the more fun it, the more fun it gets. I will say I did always love to compete. I love to get after it. I always, when I was younger, I don't know if anyone listening can resonate with this, but I always felt a little bit different than other people in the sense that I wanted to get dirty. I wanted to compete and always get after it. So uh, our team, I think in high school, we started winning. And of course, winning is a lot more fun than losing. And I was like, okay, this this could be pretty cool. (laughs) Um, But I never in a million years dreamed of playing uh, on the USA team or after college. You know, I'm, I'm pretty undersized. Yeah. So that to me was just like, wow, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And for any kids listening, I did, I do remember having the feeling of watching, you know, high school sports when I was in junior high and thinking like, wow, how do they do that? You know, how is that even possible? They make it look so easy. And then you kind of take things one day at a time. And then all of a sudden you're in high school and you're like, oh, I still feel the same way as I did when I was younger. And then we're looking at college athletes doing the same looking at the USA team when you're in college and uh, kind of that feeling of, I don't know if I can do that, but I want to have that experience. And that's something I've kind of always felt since I was a kid. Wow. You just mentioned um, in that, that you were not like the, the, maybe the perfect size for a volleyball player. Let's talk about that actually, because I feel like that can be so mental, right? Like if you, like, how do you get over that? Do you have, um, like bring us back to how that all went and tips for people that are in that same position. Yeah. I'm pretty much opposite of the volleyball, the standard volleyball body type or whatever. But, uh, you know, there was a time when I would think about it quite a bit. And I would, you know, it's always hard not to compare yourself to other people and look sideways and think, man, 
she's taller than me. She's faster than me. More colleges are looking at her. Uh, she's starting. She's got more likes on Instagram, like whatever. Her ponytail is cuter, you know, like there's always something. And I think I've, I was fortunate to have a lot of mentors along the way that kept just, I think, honoring, you know, the, the feeling of that and then redirecting me towards what are you good at? What are your strengths? Let's play to that. Let's bring all of you to this moment as much as possible. And I can point to stories at every level of, of coaches that did that. So I don't know if I answered your question, but I, I think uh, what I would what I would talk to a kid about is like, hey, let's what are your strengths? <laughs> you know, what do you bring that no one else brings? And how can we um, how can we focus on that more than anything? And yeah, you want to work on your weaknesses, but you also want to bring your best in any situation. So the more that I focus on that, the better. I love this. Um, we have a friend who knows you and is obsessed with your your career in volleyball. And she's like, oh, she's got a small frame, but a big game. Um, and I, I just love these stories of not, you know, not typical. <laughs> uh, do you, so you never had a, you when you were doing all these other sports when you were younger, and you love to compete, was it just the joy of competing or did you actually have a dream when you were little? Like, I want to be on the world stage in something. I'm curious. Yeah, it's a great question. And a lot of my teammates on the USA team had that dream. You know, I was six years old and I saw, I never, ever thought I would be able to play at that level. You know, I didn't even, I didn't even think about the Olympics or, you know, we would watch it and I did want to be the first female, um, major league baseball player at one time, you know, but as far as the Olympics, um, no. And, and probably cause I didn't like volleyball as much, yeah. you know, like I thought of those things kind of in basketball and softball, but I will say, uh, there's kind of a, a combination for me that, that I've always felt. And that's this sense of like being told I wasn't good enough. I'm not tall enough. You're not skilled enough. Um, but also things always tended to work out for me. You know, like I was just competitive enough. I was just good enough of a leader to be the captain or to make the next team or like, I don't know why you're on the team, but we need you type thing. So there's a, a kind of a cool combo of having a chip on my shoulder, but also a very deep belief that if I did things for the right reasons in the right way, that something beautiful is going to come out of it. I don't know if that makes sense to you guys. Yeah, no, that's amazing. I love how that can happen sometimes um, for people that it doesn't necessarily have to be something that you've dreamt about forever, or even that you started when you were really little, and you can come into it and realize like, wow, this is actually something I'm good at my, you know, you guys are winning as a team, then you're having fun and and keep going with that. I just think that, um, yeah, that's really cool. I love what you talk about how you, you kind of had this like innate leadership. And I know that you were team captain in college for all four years, right? And that's amazing. Did you get taught that as as a kid? Or is that a natural thing? Did you have people that, um, you know, instilled that in you when you were young? Yeah. You know, I I was fortunate. I think a lot of it comes from my family and my, my two older brothers kind of had this beautiful influence on people they were around because they were authentic, you know, and they cared deeply about what they were doing. I also, I think I come from a military family, so I didn't grow up in that, but just my grandpas, my, you know, my dad, my brother at some point were in the military so the sense of like, it's not always what you accomplish, but what you get those around you to accomplish is, is what's most meaningful. And that is something that wasn't explicitly talked about in my household, but was always the theme. You know, like I, uh, for those of you listening with young kids, you know, I would score a bunch of points in basketball when I was younger, but the only way I got a blizzard is if I had like 10 assists <laughs> or I took a charge or, you know, it was like we celebrated um, kind of influence 
influencing other people more than what I did personally as an athlete. So I do think it was, it was modeled to me. Wow. You're really lucky to have that. Yeah. And I can see it, you know, blessing yeah. you in your mission um, as you pay it forward with your career now. It's, yeah, it's incredible. Let's talk directly to the kids now, because you, I love how you talk about playing for something bigger than yourself. Like if you don't know what that is, do you have any advice on how a kid can find what that is? Like what is bigger than themselves? Some people know <laughs> yeah. it right away. Yeah, I got chills in that question. That's a great question. You know, I think uh, some people think it's like a dream or I know exactly what I want to accomplish or I want that experience. And that's great. You know, I think I've had that in small slices in my life. For me, uh, I would, what I want kids to know is like, we've, we all have these moments in life and in sports that are, we, it's like you touch the magic. And to me, there's a lot of cross, I, what happens, I think in those moments is that we become fully present in the moment. And if, if I were to ask a kid, Hey, what was the best moment in your sports career? Even if you're in fourth grade, what was the most fun you've ever had playing? What is the most fun you've ever had with your friends? The most fun you've ever had with your family? And if we were all to describe that, it would be those moments where like nothing else in the world matters. You fully get immersed, you know, you're fully in that moment. And it's so fun and it's so rich and it's so beautiful. So I would say, hey, when have you had those moments and what is happening around you that helps kind of lead you into that? And that is something that feels bigger than me. And when I was a kid, I would feel these kind of magical moments and it makes you, makes you want to grin from the inside. And when I talk about, you know, playing for something bigger than me or fighting for something, it's often those moments. Afterwards, you kind of have this glow of like what that was like. I don't know what just happened, but that was awesome. And I want to come back and do it again. And that can show up in sports. You can show up in school with friends, like in any moment. Um, so I don't know if that makes sense to you guys, but that's kind of how I think about it. Oh, no, that's, yeah, that's amazing. Yeah, it actually was sparking something inside of me. I was like, ooh, I need to write, because all these memories came back to me in my life of these childhood moments, not always sport, but I got to write these down and like dig into them again when I want to feel that. Uh, That was amazing. It's not what I expected you to say either. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. It's also really true. Like I just because you you mentioned fourth grade, like I have a fourth grader and he can sometimes be really hard on himself about, you know, his in his baseball game or whatever. And I just that's what I always tell him. Like, are you having fun? Are Like you got to be, be bring it back to the fun, because if you're not having fun, then your energy level and, you know, all of those things that really need to come together for things to work, they're not going to work. And so I just think that, yeah, I love that. Um, well, let's talk about the flip side of that. I think it's really challenging because there's um, this may be be. Uh, two in the weeds, but I think when you're competing at a high level and you're competitive when you're young, you're, there's a sense that you're controlling the moment or you take ownership of the outcome, you know? And it's like, yeah, I dictate what's going to happen here. And we're trying to get better and all these things. And then to reach our full potential. And I, I say like the top 20% of our performance, although it's impossible to quantify but kind of that, those like magical moments, there's also an aspect of letting go. Mm. And so I don't know the best way to teach a kid that, you know, and, and to be honest, April, I'm, you guys can probably relate to this. If you're not wrestling with that line of trying too hard and squeezing too tight and then trying to have fun, you're probably not in the conversation of pushing potential anyway. 
You know, mm-hmm. it's like if if you're always well recovered, you're probably not also pushing the envelope. Like we got to miss sometimes. It's just like learning in sports. So it, it is challenging, but I think it's a fun conversation. And I was an impossible child when I was competing. Like I was an idiot. I was dramatic. If I lost, I would put my hoodie on and run three miles and not talk to my family. So now I, it's not lost on me when I'm talking about these things that like, oh, this took me, you know, 30 years to try to figure oh, out. This is great to hear. I love this. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yes. Yeah, so talk about that. Actually talk about some, about failure, because I think that a lot of times, especially when you're young, it just, um, it's hard to realize that you can actually learn from that. Did you have any big failures that turned into a huge lesson for you? Oh my gosh. Yes. Constant failures. Constant failures. I do think once I got to the national team, my the biggest advantage I have is that I was cut from teams before. I was told I wasn't good enough. I was used to that, you know. And in on the national team, it's usually the best players in the country. It is the best players in the country from college who have all won national titles and player of the year. And to see people fail for the first time was like the craziest human experience I've ever seen. Because when we can't work out our internal anxiety or stress or disappointment, you guys know this, like we go external and it's like, what's your fault? It's this fault. It's this. And either you do that and you quit or you like, dude, I gotta, I gotta wrestle with some stuff and you decide to come back stronger. Um, so sorry, back. I'm getting too excited. I'm just blabbing over here, but your original, (laughs) your original question, how I think about it now is uh, a a failure is not going for it. And a mistake would be what you make on the way to learning and figuring stuff out. So I have been, um, yeah, I failed a ton. I've, I've made a lot of mistakes. I've lost, I've been cut, all those things. For me, what has been helpful is understanding that when you care deeply about something and you're invested deeply in something, it's going to hurt more. So I, you know, I call myself the dramatic kid or, and I was, but it, I also had more fun than anyone, I think because I was fully invested and I, I loved it so much. Um, what has helped me is being a little bit more pragmatic in the process after a big disappointment. So I'll give you an example because this is vague, but I played for 10 years on the USA team and was fortunate to go to two Olympics. I also got cut from two World Cup teams, which is about nine months before the Olympic Games. And so in both quads, uh, it felt like it was impossible for me to make the Olympic team. Because that's a pretty, like, if you don't make that team, it's kind of like, all right, the odds are stacked against you. And so when I'm in a massive disappointment like that, I think there's a, a, a process of being emotional and just honoring kind of the difficult part of what's happening. You care. You didn't get what you wanted. It sucks. It's really, it's not ideal. And so however you express that, I think it's really important to honor that part of it. And then for me, it's like, how quickly can I get back to, reconnecting to what's possible like now this is the reality of right now what is the next best thing i can do you know and what's the reality of not talking about fluffy stuff but really like here you know you didn't get what you wanted that's off the table what's the next best thing and then how quickly can i get to focusing on what's within my control and the minute that i start taking action on that uh i start feeling more motivated i get more excited it's like I could be me again. Uh, so to me, that's like the process. And I wish when I was younger, I kind of understood that we could train that process just like we train anything else. Mm. 
I just have been writing so many notes. This is absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. So let's, um, yeah, let's get into now for the for our kids who are listening who maybe have this dream brewing. Maybe it's an Olympic dream. You know, not all of our listeners are in sports that are Olympics, but let's just talk about that. So you went through hard times, you went through failures, but you did compete in two Olympics and medal in two Olympics. Am I right? Yes. Yeah. That's correct. Um, can you talk through for our kids just so that they can start visualizing themselves, what it might feel like for them when they're there, this possibility? Like, what was it like? Did you walk in the Olympic Games ceremony? I know some athletes don't, you know, talk about that. What what was it? What did it feel like? What did it look like? What was it like standing on the podium with your team? Oh, um, man. <laughs> bring up all the cry? feels right now. Yeah, yeah, right? <laughs> How long do you have? No. You know <laughs> I'll be honest, since I was a kid, uh, I really liked gear and free gear and uniforms. Like I would lay out my uniform. Yeah. yeah. I would, just all of those things were so cool to me. And so to be my, the first moment that comes to mind is, uh, when we get all of our Olympic gear, you know, and they make it really special for you and you I have a whole dress. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They have a whole dressing room with your stuff and all your sizes and they're running around exchanging stuff. It's just cool because it, I think it symbolizes being a part of something that's rare and bigger than you. And it's really cool. And you're in it with some amazing people. So my experience, it just felt really surreal. Like walk, I did get to walk in the opening ceremonies both times. And it's just like, you're in the tunnel and someone chants like, you, you, you know, and then everyone starts and you're just like, how did I get here? Like, this makes no sense. This little five, seven kid that's not that good from Kent, Washington, you know, and you're looking around going, how the hell did I get here? You know, there's all these, I perceive Olympians as like superheroes. And then you're standing there and you're like, wait a minute, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, so that was, uh, to me, it felt really surreal and, and just fun to think like every, or not every, but for most volleyball players in the world, they would give a lot to be in this moment, to get to compete on this stage. Like everybody that plays our sport, this is the pinnacle. Like, that's a pretty special, you know, that's how I felt going into the gold medal match. We weren't fortunate enough to win. Uh, but walking into that, I was like, wow, there's 24 of us getting to play in this game that everybody in the world will want to be in. Like, that's pretty awesome. Oh, my gosh. I, you definitely gave me chills. I'm like, I'm, I never got that moment. Rowie did, which was amazing. She was, Oh, Rowie. Uh, yeah, she went to the Olympics for Australia, and so she definitely got that. But um, watching my sister Julia do it, I felt like I, I kind of like felt like I was there, even though I wasn't. So <laughs> I love that oh, you just gave sure. everybody that vision because I think that you know, and we can maybe actually talk about that. That now is just like just being able to visualize um, and how important that is that can be for a sport and other kind of mindset tricks. I mean, I know we'll talk about kind of what you're doing right now, helping people with this kind of stuff. But back when you were competing, did you have um, like certain mindset tricks that helped you compete like visualization or affirmations or any anything that really helped you that you feel like would help um, help anybody listening? Oh, man, great question. Yes, uh, a lot. And You know, I didn't, so what I do now is kind of a mindset coach is like we can train our mind in the same way that we train our body in the weight room or conditioning, the same way that we train our technique on the court. And I wasn't articulate in these skills and I didn't train them until the second, my my second Olympics. So I also wanted to add this to the last question. So I will say 
when I watch the Olympics or I watch college sports, you know, you always imagine that they're just chilling. Like they're, they've got their, their stuff together. They feel, you know, they're not, uh, they're not losing confidence. They're not nervous. They're, you're just like, wow, they look like they're owning this moment. And I want to say that to kids because there's a, a false uh, expectation that they should feel that way uh, in a moment that they care about. But the reality is the same things I wrestled with when I was 14. I'm like, yeah, all right, here we go. I've been waiting for this. I can't wait. And then the next breath going, oh, my gosh, <laughs> I can't believe I'm here. I'm nervous. Should I be this nervous? Can they tell that I'm nervous? If I was only a little bit better, I wouldn't be this nervous. Like all of those things, they happen at every level. I think the, and it's how you guys know this, it's how our brain is designed, you know, to have this negative bias. And then in moments of that we perceive as important to us, it's going to default to something that's uh, a little bit more safe. And if we want to pursue potential and like go for it, we've got to lean into those moments and go, wow, my brain's telling me this isn't safe, but this is actually what I want. And there's so many beautiful things on the other side of this, if I can just hang in there. So that's kind of vague, but I will say in London, I was toggling between, I got this, I was born for this, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be, and going, oh my gosh, what if I blow this? Did they take the right person? Am I good enough? Do I have what it takes? And it felt like a a very fun, but very stressful two weeks for me. (laughs) And a lot of the motivation for me to, to compete again in the next four years was that I wanted to own the moment a little bit more. And so some of the, the mental skills that I really committed to for four years, I don't think there's no hack to this stuff. Like we got to train this, you, you guys know, like uh, in the same way we train anything else. So every day for four years, I spent a lot of time focusing on how can I uh, be aware of when my mind wanders to what's outside of my control and come back to what, I'm, uh, what I can control. And even something as simple as that, like every time we do that, it's like a bicep curl for our brain and it's helping us be in this moment. And if we can tie together more of those moments, all of a sudden, wow, I was lost in that for 10 plays, you know? So um, training control was a big one and stop me if I'm too in the weeds here because I could geek out on this for, okay. We love it. I love it. This is what we're all about. Oh yeah. yeah, Like-minded people here. I was excited for this reason. Yeah. The skill of control was big. The skill of confidence, which uh, really comes down to self-talk. Like, am I telling myself things that are productive? Not necessarily positive, but what's the most productive thing I can uh, channel my energy into right now? was a skill that I trained a lot. Um, Reframing, you know, and and training optimism, which, again, isn't necessarily overly fluffy. But, like, when things don't go well, you know, what's the next best thing? And can I anchor to gratitude, you know, the week before the games? Can I, um, can I reframe? And then when I'm in the moment of anxiety, you know, performance anxiety, can I stay curious? That was a huge skill for me. I don't know if that relates to you guys, but sometimes if I'm intense and competing and someone's like, well, what are you grateful for? I'm like, all right, kind of want to punch you in the face right now. <laughs> you know, like I can't get to gratitude when I'm really anxious And even reframing is almost like, yeah, but what are you, I'm like, all right, I can do that outside of the game. But when I'm in a, in acute performance anxiety, the best thing that I can get to is curiosity. Okay. I wonder what I could do differently. I wonder what I could say. I wonder what I could ask. I wonder what's going to happen. Even that there's kind of like an allowing. 
So that was a big skill for me. And then lastly, mindfulness and training uh, that because it's, uh, as you guys know, just an awareness training. So the more aware I was of my own inner experience, the more I could kind of dictate how I showed up moment to moment. This is a very long answer. But those skills like legit allowed me to be in Rio in the Olympics and just have that like that grin, you know, in these stressful moments of like, yeah, all right, I'm ready for this. And to be honest, I don't think there's a better feeling I've had as an athlete than to be on the world stage and say, I have exactly what it takes to be me in this moment. Mm, that, chills. No, I, uh, yeah, <laughs> chills. And you talking about all of this, it's really like this is our mission to have more athletes feel that, what you just said. And I find it fascinating that, um, you know, it wasn't until your second Olympic Games, you'd already made the world stage, that you really learned to train your mind. And we want to shake things up like you are doing here. We, we want to be part of uh, what your mission and what you were doing. And hopefully in 20 years, it's the norm that people, yeah. that children chain their minds as much as they do their bodies. Like I think back to my career and I thought I did mindset work, but not really as I'm learning more, you know, and, and what else is possible? That's the exciting thing. I think we're just beginning to learn about what humans can do. Yeah. I, man, I'm fired up because I've, I feel like I want to ask you guys all the questions now, but it's such an important mission, you know, and there's a mental side of it. There's like a, not, I want to say spiritual, but not like a religious, just like there's something like really beautiful when we can be present more often that happens. So I love that you guys are doing this and I'm, I'm all in. Uh, um, tell me really quick, sorry, I'm talking a lot, but I just find you so fascinating. I listened to a podcast where you talked about your, coach or you had a coach that was really aggressive and abusive it sounded like and I loved how you talked how you got through that I was like this is gold because I dealt with that and I know there are going to be more young athletes dealing with that give us your best tricks and tips oh good question I think I will say I've learned uh, a lot from the coaches that I didn't agree with all the time or that Mm -hmm. I didn't respect how they did it you know I would say you could label them bad coaches, in my opinion, uh, you you can learn a lot from them. So for me, I don't know exactly what story you're referring to, but there was a cool uh, year when I was in uh, Switzerland and I played uh, for the same team for two years in a row. And this coach was like very gnarly, like Eastern European, super aggressive, old school. Yeah. See, so he would say things that were highly inappropriate. And the first year, it like really rattled me. And then we started working with uh, Dr. Michael Gervais, who I work for now, um, and then training all those mental skills. And it was pretty cool because it was a full year later. And the first practice, you know, I, I set one ball and you could just hear him in the gym right as I said it, Thompson, like he was about to lay into me, you know. <laughs> and I kind of grinned and I was like, okay, here it is. And it was like, I'm ready for it, you know, and For me, the thought is like outside of things that are very difficult and I want to be sensitive to all the things going on in the world right now, but in uh, the approach that we dictate our experience. For me, it was this cool opportunity where my the external environment was still challenging. It's still the same, but I was able to show up differently. That's a really powerful feeling of like, oh, I can adjust to this. To me, that's like the ultimate trust is that I don't need everything to be perfect around me, but I trust myself enough to be okay in this moment. So then it was like the game within the game. Okay. How can I one 
stay true to myself in this too. Like, how can I kind of have fun with this guy who's crazy, gnarly, you know? And then can I like be in it with my teammates? Like there's a lot of opportunity there. They're like, all right, what good could, could come from this? So it wasn't perfect. I mean, I'm, I'm sure I still call my parents crying and said I'm quitting. Like all the, you know, I should, I say these things like it was easy. Um, but it, yeah, I did end up learning a lot. Wow. So cool. Because I do think that there are a lot of that, a lot of that happens. And so to be able to just hear how you dealt with it, I think is going to be really great for people to hear because if they haven't dealt with it yet, they probably will at some point. So to already have these things in the back of their head, like how to deal with it. Tell us more about actually what you're doing now, um, because this kind of um, mindset stuff is exactly what you're doing. So elaborate for everybody about what you're doing right now. Yeah. So for um, the last four years of my career, our sports performance psychologist was Dr. Michael Gervais. He's one of the leading performance psychs in the in the country, in the world, really. And he started a company with Pete Carroll, the Seahawks head coach. And we work with corporations on how to train your mind for high performance. So really diving into if we're going to train our mind to be our best in any moment, how do we actually do that day to day? How do we train it day to day? And then can we create a common language so that we can diffuse you know, stress and anxiety together collectively um, more efficiently? And if we're talking about like changing cultures in a team or a, an organization, it starts with having those uh, your own uh, mental skills. So that's been really fun for me, you know, and I, I also coach volleyball uh, clinics and coach coaches. And I just got the job at Stanford. So I'm coaching college now, which is awesome. And wow, yeah, but really like applying these as well. It's, you know, and in, like you guys in anything you do, like, it doesn't matter if you play sports or you're music, if you're or anything, it's like, it's hard to bring all of you to, to moments. So it's helpful to have some mental skills. Well, I feel like we could talk for three hours. I know, um, same. But to keep, to keep our young listeners here, I would love to hear from you. What does champion mean to you? To me, being a champion is being able to bring all of you uh, to every moment. And that sounds easy or fluffy or for my young competitive people, soft. And I hear you. I was that athlete. I was, let me caveat that by saying when I was younger and people would say, hey, it's the journey, not the destination. You know, I was the kid that would cross their arms and being like, you've probably never won anything if that's what you're saying. Like, come on. <laughs> so I say that, but you know, I don't know if any kids or anyone listening has ever worked really hard for a goal and they've reached it, you know, they did everything, they sacrificed, they did all these things. And then the minute they got it, they just felt relief, you know, like, oh, thank God that's over. And then what do we do? We just set another goal. But like, if we're not careful, we're just in that trap and we're missing. I think we're missing if that's what our experience is like. And so what I've learned over messing this up massively for most of my career is that performance and experience don't have to be, uh, you can have both at the highest level, you can be the best in the world and have these beautiful, fun moments along the way. And uh, so I think if you bring all of you to every moment, which is massively challenging to do in life, in relationships, uh, you know, in sports, then you're going to perform the best you can and you're going to have the most fun. And what else is there? 
You know what I love listening to her about Roe is that she sounds like she wasn't the perfect child. Like you look at you talk, you know, talking to you and knowing you now, I'm like, oh, you must have been such a good kid. But to hear oh. you say that you weren't <laughs> is actually amazing because I'm like, okay, so there's a chance for my kids. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah, far uh, from it. I know. I always feel bad like saying these things. Like, oh yeah, it was just easy. I always did this. I'm like, oh man. You know, the amount of times I, I wanted to quit or crying, call my parents, telling them I'm done, you know, being dramatic, not talking to my family and friends for two days. It's like, oh, man. Uh, so fun. So what so, would yeah. you tell your 10-year-old self if you could tell your ten, talk to your 10-year-old self right now? Calm down. It's going to be fine, <laughs> you know. It's hard, though, because it's like you want to say that, but it's also what, you know, made me good, got me good. And that's the interesting thing about even being critical, like, self-critique gets us really good but it's not ever going to get us playing our best because we're not in that space when we're playing our best so it's a tricky thing I would tell myself um focus on what you can control and it's okay I was very black and white when I was younger like if you're going to be a college player you can never eat pizza you can never eat ice cream you have to train every day like I was very OCD in that way and so I would I would like to tell myself that you can do those things and have fun and relax. And it's important to get away from the game uh, if you want to be your best. Mm. The, the oh. best in the world, eat pizza. It's fine. <laughs> Heck yes. <laughs> yeah. Courtney, oh, this man. has been such a joy. Um, we are so grateful to, number one, know you now and to – continue watching you just pay it forward. Um, it sounds like you have learned so much through your career, but I think the difference is there's a lot of great athletes out there. There's a lot of champions, but not all these champions can teach. And it sounds like you can teach. I've learned so much and I know our listeners will be taking nuggets away. I, I literally wish I had you when I was a kid and I had this recording because I think I would have played it every few days, you know, to keep reminding myself, there's so many good nuggets in. And if, if you are listening and you didn't hear all of them repeat and listen again, this was incredible. Um, I'm so, like I said, grateful and, um, your mission's important. We're behind you 100%. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Likewise. Thank you guys so much. Okay. Wow. I hope you got as much out of that interview as we did. That was incredible. And if you didn't, make sure to tune in this Thursday where we are going to break down um, Courtney's tips. There were five incredible gold nuggets and many more. So can't wait to see you then and tune in for greatness. Greatness. 